Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. This is Nick Augustine with Mark Scroggins at Scroggins Law Group. And today we are talking about tips about things not to do when getting a divorce. <laughs> hey, Nick. How are you? I'm doing well, Mark. Um, let's talk about some of the things that we can prevent and some of the pitfalls. Some people think that it might be cute to do some certain things. Sure. And it's only going to cost you more time and money. So let's jump right into things that we're going to try to avoid right. from getting a divorce and what you tell clients. So let's talk, start off with the concept of cutting off funds. How does that work? Well, okay. So you've got two different deals uh, here. So, you know, all of the big counties, with the exception of Tarrant, have standing orders. Okay. And those are going to tell you that you can't uh, you can't change people on accounts. You can't cut off a credit card. You can't uh, take someone off of a bank account or uh, anything like that once you have either filed or once you have been served. Okay, so technically, there is nothing to to prohibit you from doing all of that mm-hmm. prior to filing. Now, my strong suggestion would be that you don't because you are going to just piss off the court in doing that. And you're going to make sure that you are not looking like the person wearing the white hat in this thing. Okay, so it just does it just does not make a lot of sense. Now, if there are concerns about uh, and I should say that that is that is a generality. Okay, that is just a generality. I mean, generally don't cut off money. Yeah, generally, you don't want to do that. And um, there might be something if you've got um, a situation where someone is just spending money like there's there's no tomorrow and there's the ability to to cull that by taking certain action. And it's all explainable to the court. of We had to take this action because then that's fine. That's a different situation. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about not just doing something out of spite. Here's an example. OK, I've represented plenty of. Well, the majority of people that I that I represent are are high high wage earners or the spouse of a of a very high wage earner. Okay, so I have seen many times where that high wage earner has got the attitude of he or she, whoever the person staying at home is, doesn't deserve anything. Uh, you know, it's all my hard work that did everything, and he or she's just sitting home eating bonbons. So I don't want them going out and spending, you know, X, Y, or Z, and so I'm cutting off all their access. Okay. Then they come in and they've got to explain that to the court. Well, if you've got someone that doesn't isn't making any income, is not working, and you cut off their access to any funds, it does not look good. You're going to end up having to give them some money anyway. Okay, so make sure that you talk to someone about, uh, you know, whether or not that is a good idea to do that and how it should be done to minimize any potential damage that the estate could suffer because of that. Okay. And it's not a one size fits all. I mean, it's not just an absolutely never do that. Uh, it is also not a always do that. Okay. It is probably more of you generally don't want to do that, but there are certain exceptions where, um, for example, I had one where uh, someone was an authorized card user. Okay. Wasn't their account, but was an authorized card user. 
and they were spending money like it was going out of style. And they're, you know, could see what all had been done and comments uh, and communications between the two of them. And she wasn't doing anything to, to call any of that. So he put a limit on, on that until we could go before the court. And it didn't completely cut her off. But what it did is, and there was still access to other funds, but what it did do is it, it stopped um, a heavy, heavy shopping habit right. that was going on until we could get into court. Mm-hmm. So, Well, you, you wonder sometimes if things are, you know, the person knows that they're going to file for divorce and there may be emotions or something going on in the background. Well, I'll show you. Right. You know, or there's always, I'll never forget about psychology courses and learning about the late onset of dementia and different dissociative personality disorders right. where things can be, I mean, people really can have something going on where they're just, their you know, capacity is that question. So there's all sorts of different exceptions to that general rule. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Right. So don't cut off the funds and cut off all the. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to do that completely. And I mean, just, you know, it kind of goes back to one of the things that we always talk about. Don't make any decision on how to proceed until you talk to a divorce lawyer right. and, you know, preferably hire someone who's board certified, you know, who's got that extra level of expertise and has been doing it a long time and understands, you know, what the, what the pitfalls are of doing different things and what, you know, what counties do they practice in? What does their practice look like? I mean, so there are, there are a lot of different things that, that come into play. You know, if you've got, if you've got a very small estate and your folks, uh, I say your folks, your your spouse, you and your spouse basically have an agreement over what y'all are going to do with the kids, you know, then it's a little bit less of a concern. But if y'all are at odds over anything, you know, you better make sure that you hire someone who knows what the hell they're doing or else you're going to either be paying for that mistake in the long run or at some point you're going to have to change lawyers because the results have been so bad. Right. So... Our next not to do in when getting divorced is delay tactics. Right. Let's talk about that. Well, okay. So when I think of delay tactics, uh, what I think of are people not properly responding to discovery. Okay. Uh, people making it difficult to schedule hearings, things like that. So what is the ramification of doing that? The ramification of doing that is that you are going to increase the number of hearings that you are going to have. You are going to increase the amount of attorney's fees that are going to be spent. And if you take unreasonable positions in doing these things, uh, you are going to open yourself up to an award of attorney's fees, either throughout the course of the litigation or at final trial. So, you know, you need to think long and hard about doing that. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't some times that strategies and tactics need to be implemented and delay might be part of that. Okay, there there can be reasons to do that, which I'm not going to get into in a podcast, but there can be there can be reasons to do that on occasion. But once again, like with all of the podcasts that we do, I'm talking I'm talking in generalities. Mm-hmm. Generally, it does not serve a purpose to do that. You come across looking spiteful and petty and um, just running up fees for the sake of running up fees. Okay. And judges don't like that. And I can tell you what judges really don't like are discovery disputes. So it's pretty clear different things that you are entitled to. Okay. So 
anything related to finances, anything related to any asset or debt that you have, you know, whatever the debt is that follows the asset. If you own businesses that were started during the marriage, you're entitled to that. Guess what? If you own businesses that were started prior to the marriage, you're very likely going to get some access to some of those things. Mm -hmm. uh, if there is a question of retained earnings or um, things such as that, you know, if you've got a business that, you know, uh, mom starts a business and, you know, it's generating 15 million in revenue, but she's showing that, you know, she makes about a hundred thousand a year. Guess what? Something doesn't pass the smell test. And there probably are some retained earnings in there. If there are retained earnings, even if this business was started prior to marriage, okay, those retained earnings are community. So you've got the right to get a look at that. It doesn't mean that right off the bat, you're going to get those documents. You have to prove that there's not a better way to get it. You know, it, it was inadequate information through um, tax returns and K-1s, W-2s, uh, any other type of uh, uh, reporting document that you would use for taxes uh, in that regard. And if that does not shed enough light and you can articulate to the court why it's necessary to be able to get into, you know, certain books, uh, you know, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. So think long and hard about, do I really want to fiddle fart around with that? I mean, because, for example, every time I go to court, okay, even if it's a small hearing, you know, you're generally looking at three to four hours for the hearing, you know, on the day of the hearing itself. Okay. So let's just say if it's four hours, you know, that's well in excess of $2,000 just there. Okay. Well in excess of that. Uh, and that doesn't include any preparation time. So you start doing that kind of thing and it adds up. You start getting into more complex hearings that take a greater period of time and it's going to be more than that. And that's the best case scenario. That's if you don't have to go down to the court and you don't get heard or you get heard right away. If you go down to the court and you're basically riding the pine for a while until the court can get around to you or maybe you get pushed to that afternoon. Well, you know, eight hours gets real expensive, gets real expensive, you know, and and you're not going to get a break on on the bill on that because it doesn't have anything to do with me or my staff or my other lawyers or anything like that, we're at the mercy of the court. Right. You know, so be very careful when you think about how you want to proceed on certain things because you can do a lot of damage to yourself monetarily. Well, absolutely. And I, I can remember myself working as a law clerk, very young and listening to a client saying that my husband is going to, you know, litigate me out of, you know, out of money and I'm not going to be able to afford to prepare for trial and all this. And there's, there, you know, some of those concerns, but, you know, people, again, you can go get interim attorney's fees if they're out of money. All sorts of different things can really, uh, you know, hit you in the butt there. You so. can, but here's here's something also to think. It's not an absolute that you are going to get interim fees, okay? Mm -hmm. Getting interim fees is not as easy as going down to the court and saying, Judge, I need my fees. Mm -hmm. And here's something else that happens all the time. You get judges that say, well, I'm going to equalize attorney's fees. That's crap. There is no place in the Texas Family Code that calls for equalizing fees. Mm -hmm. There is, there are provisions for an award of interim fees, right. interim attorney's fees. And then here's the other thing. Some judges don't, you know, are afraid to make that award. I don't know why, but some of them just don't. And I've, I've got my own perception on some of it. Some uh -huh. of it, they use it as a tool to try to push people into settling. And it's inappropriate, it's improper, you know, and I think you're gonna see more and more litigation about that specifically.
And uh, so it's something that cuts both ways. Okay. So there, <laughs> this again needs to have that big asterisk. Make sure you talk to someone who knows what they're doing. Exactly. My yeah, goodness. Exactly. I mean, because, and again, you got to co parent with this person afterwards, you know, and people tend to remember how people were, you know, if you're nice and you're, you don't have to be nice to the person during divorce, you don't like them. But if you're not being obstreperous and difficult, you know, that can help you down the road. Yeah, I mean, setting healthy boundaries is good. Right. Okay, so. Right, exactly. And if you have a, you know, so anyways, let's talk about another thing not to do during divorce, uh, and that would be pursuing new relationships. Right. Right. Yeah, not bright Mm -hmm. to do that, although it happens all the time. Might cause a divorce sometimes. Uh, Well, I mean, yeah, that's a cause of it. But, I mean, if you're in the midst of Mm -hmm. a divorce proceeding, Let me explain to everybody out there, okay? If you are quote-unquote separated, Mm -hmm. but you are not divorced, and you get into a relationship with someone, that is adultery, okay? It's still infidelity, Mm -hmm. okay? Texas is not one of those where people come in and, I want to get a legal separation. Great. There's no such thing as a legal separation in Texas. We can do some other things to make it look like that, where you each protect your income, doing what is called a partition agreement or some other different things. But there's no such thing. And in, in a lot of states where they have a legal separation, it basically is a, and every state's different, but um, it's kind of a all bets are off kind of thing. So if you go, you know, and, you know, get into the flavor of the week or have a relationship with someone, it's kind of, ah, well, we were separated, so that can't be held held against you, Okay. That is not Texas. That is not Texas. So it is not smart. I've never had this happen, but I've heard of this happening where people, (laughs) someone has actually showed up at trial and has brought their significant other to the divorce trial. For support. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, wow, you talk about freaking stupid. And then, so there's something that, that most lawyers do at a trial and that is called invoking the rule, okay? And what that does is that forces all of the other witnesses to sit out in the hall. They're not allowed to discuss testimony with each other. But I've also heard of people that if someone is bold enough to bring that significant other, they have asked to have that person, especially on a, in a jury trial, they have asked to have an exception to allow, oh, you know, I mean, the new boyfriend or girlfriend well, sitting at counsel that. table. Absolutely. So, you know, the court. Identify them right there. Exactly. The spotlight, please. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, don't let, don't let, uh, don't let other things rule your, your opinions and your, uh, your thought process. Let's put it that way. Man. So that is absolutely not bright. And here's the, here's what always happens is people think, I'm just going to keep this on the down low. Nobody's going to really know about it. Bullshit. Everybody knows about it. Right. Okay? Everybody knows When about you it. go and tell them, hey, don't tell so-and-so, and don't say this. People talk, and, you know, what was that uh, movie forever ago? Six, six Degrees of Separation or something like that? Right. You know, you never know who knows who, but it always gets around. And, and even if you don't see them at Tom Thumb, they've seen you. Right. Yeah, that's and exactly right. And they saw you with her. And mm-hmm. they know, and they tweeted about it, or they texted about it in a group text. Well, or just pick up the phone. I mean, you know, so all of a sudden you, you know, you're in a proceeding and you hear about this and it's like, hmm, didn't know. 
how many times though I've seen them post decree stuff over child support or you know changing things with custody and you know and so and so well we show up with the new one and then the mm-hmm. the original and then they you know give the dirty eyes and everyone it's like a whole circle of bad eyes on, on one another well you can unfortunately get into that an awful lot of the time where the new spouse is really the catalyst for the problems well right and we've so, talked about that a number of times let's yeah. talk about disparaging comments and children and the spouse yeah another thing to avoid yeah don't 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 do that okay that's just idiotic on a number of different fronts one it is violative of every one of the standing orders that I talked about. Mm-hmm. If you go and get a temporary restraining order in uh, in Tarrant County, it is going to be included in the TRO that is going to be made a temporary injunction. Okay, so there is nothing that is going to be good coming out of that just from that. Now let's talk about the other piece of it. What is the impact that dog cussing or you know talking crap about the other parent? to the child or within ears reach of the child does. It is incredibly harmful to the child. Every child, whether you realize it or not, or want want to recognize it or not, is part you and part your spouse. That's right. You know, or part you and part, you know, significant other or whatever, or one night stand, whatever the hell it is. In any case, that child knows that. Okay, the child knows that. So if you're sitting there dog cussing, you know, mama to the kid or saying, God, your mom is so stupid or she does this and that. You're telling the kid that the kid is stupid. It's like you're proving it up, proving the divorce up to the kid. Well, and a court will tell you that that should never, ever happen. But these detrimental remarks that are made about the spouse or the former spouse the child hears that as a criticism of them, mm-hmm. okay? And so you might be incredibly pissed off at, at your former spouse, you know, and, and maybe very, very rightfully so. Maybe they are just a complete shit heel, okay? I mean, it happens. There's no question about it. That does not give you the right to talk about them in a negative fashion in front of your child because while you might not have any intent that it would cause any damage to that child. Maybe your only intent in the naivete of the way you view it is that you just want that child to know we're really here because of what your dad did or we're really here because of what your mom did. All that is doing is causing harm to the child. And what you basically, what you should do is you should just get on the phone and start booking counseling sessions for the kid because you're screwing them up. Right. They're going to have issues that they're going to have to deal with because of your actions. So it's, it's really, really bad. You know, also I was thinking about the situation where you might have a sibling or a sister, neighbor, friend who, with whom you might normally, you know, chit chat about and visit about people and things going on. Remind them, please. Like, don't bring it up around the kids. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Any other thoughts about some of the other side things that are going on right now? September. Yeah. Couple, couple things to keep in mind. Uh, September 1. So Texas has guideline child support. Okay. Guidelines are based on the net income of a person, mm-hmm. uh, of the, the person who is paying the child support. And the cap has been at 8550 That's not to say that you can't get above guideline support. So let me explain how that works. 8550 as a net 
of your income, all that's coming out of that basically are taxes, um, portion of the, the uh, health insurance, dental insurance that is paid for the kids, and if you're a member of a union, union dues, okay? So basically for most of us, FICA, FUTA, FIT, okay? Um, so that is basically what is coming out of that. So that has been raised now to $9,200 that goes into effect on September 1. So when we talk about those guidelines, it's 20% for one child, 25 for two, 30% for three, 35 for four. And if you've got children by others, uh, other children that you support, it changes that. So for existence, for existence, That's for example, well, for example, on if you've got one kid with wife number one and you've got one kid with wife number two, okay, you're going to pay 17 and a half. Now you're going to get, you're going to pay 17 and a half to each. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I don't admire that situation. Yeah, that's not, that's not good. So anyway, that can be, uh, that can be a little rough. So just be aware that that is going into effect. Also with kids going back to school, mm -hmm. make sure to look at what your decree says about exchanges. So, you know, one of the reasons that I am generally a fan of a, an expanded standard possession order in a situation where there has been a high level of acrimony between the parties is because the parties don't end up having to interact at exchanges very often because the exchanges typically take place at school. So, you know, Thursdays don't exist during the summer unless you've got something special in your decree, but they do once the school... Uh, school session resumes, okay? And if you've got expanded, it goes from the time that school is released, return to school the following Friday. Well, and most of the most of the schools are so regimented with how you drop your kids, pick them off, exchanges. I mean, it's like a well-oiled machine in a lot of cases. Yeah, and that's a that's a good thing because you don't need the interaction on on between certain folks. On so they wear a body days. cam like police officers? Or... I'll tell you what, I've seen people do that. It's coming, I'm telling you. Well, and they're people that whip out their phones all the time and, you know, are recording stuff that has no business of being recorded. I mean, the damage that can be done from that, if you're sitting there, every time you see your former spouse uh, and you're whipping out the phone in front of the kids to record them, and, you know, most of the time you're acting like an ass as well, uh, you're really not helping yourself. And it's... At the end of the day, the kids are going to grow up and they're going to go in their own ways. And you still have to deal with the bet that you made. And, you know, friends of mine who I saw them in and out of court so many times growing up. And I always, everyone thought these kids are going to be so messed up. You know, she's got the revolving door. He's just a controlling maniac. And you know what? The kids turned up to say to both of them, and went their own way. And the kids are doing just fine. And now the, now the parents as adults are like, well, there's nothing to fight over. And they get along. Right. It's a very interesting thing. It sure is. All right. For more information about uh, what not to do when divorcing, what do, what to do, what else, not you know, everything else in between, uh, talk to Mark Scroggins. Mark, how do they get a hold of you? You can reach me at the office at 214-469-3100. And again, you can uh, also email me, mark at scrogginslawgroup.com. All right. Thank you all for, by the way, sharing this podcast, if you may find it on our website or on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever else. We always want to share information with people who might not otherwise be reaching out for it. So we thank you all and have a great day. Thank you much. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 